0: After three long days on the road, Barry Blast and I are finally here. In the colony of the Last Men. You know, the place that Don Goblins told us about in the last episode?
1: It's a colony down south. They say it's the most beautiful place on earth. It's totally soundproof. They have Mountain Dew on tap, Die Hard 1 through 26 on Blu-ray, and I've even heard they have a guy who just walks around the place with a guitar playing Wonderwall.
0: Which reminds me, we're chronicling our post apocalyptic adventures in order. So, if you haven't listened to the show before, we recommend that you start from the very beginning. We'll try not to get too far ahead by the time you come back. <laughs> so, anyway, we're at the Colony of the Last Men. The weather is cold. The people are men. And today's date is.
1: Ah, so it is a date then. <laughs>
0: Today's date is the 25th and no, Mr. Jonathan, as I have declared repeatedly, this is not a date. This is an interview.
1: (laughs) Ha ha! Of course, I was only joking. We joke a lot here. Don't worry, you'll get the hang of it.
0: Um, Jonathan? Hmm. May I call you John?
1: god! why?
0: You know, isn't John short for Jonathan? I mean, I guess we don't have
1: to. But Jonathan is already a shortened name. It's, uh, short for Jonathanio.
0: Ugh, Jonathanio. Um, okay, so should we. Okay, let's just get on with it. How do you think the world ended? Climate change? Virus outbreak? Nuclear war? AI uprising? A, a good old biblical Armageddon? What if we told you it was all of the above? I'm Cherry Bomb. Renegade Anti-Ambitionist and Survivor of the Five plagues. And I'm Berry Blast. I'm a plant person. And I... am also here. We're broadcasting from a secret location, bringing you tales from across our withering world, in which the quiet people's reign of silent terror ravages our post-apocalyptic wasteland. This is apocalyptic. The podcast at the end of the world. And if you're still out there, we're looking for you. So, as John spoke... Jonathan! As John spoke... Jonathan! As Jonathan spoke... Uh, uh, uh. Jonathaniel! As Jonathaniel spoke... Well, hear it for yourself.
1: And then, of course, we thought, well, what if there was just one big fire... We'd have eternal warmth. That's what the sun is, isn't it? You see, we're always coming up with really cool stuff when we get together and have a, have a chat, uh, a dialogue, a conference, a meeting of the minds, if you will. A tete-a-tete, a good old chinwag one would say.
0: This went on for a while, and then-
1: Jibber-jabber. Well, no, never jibber-jabber, but we're much too serious for that. But I'm sure you get the
0: point. We did get the point. He was referring to the heating system that they had um, invented in which they burned wood. The last of the world's wood, by the way. (sighs) And instead of heating individual places of residence and rationing out the kindling because, you know, no more trees, Mm -hmm. they decided to assimilate all the wood they could find. And these are probably like super expensive bits of vintage furniture. They dumped them in the town square and they set them on fire. Which lasted all of two days. The men were cold once more and ever since. We uncovered a lot more about how the civilization survived. It's fascinating, really. So, Jonathaniel, how did you get here? Funny
1: story. When I was a young boy, my father took me into the last
0: dinosaur No, no, no we're not doing this. Moving on. How come the quiet people haven't come for you yet?
1: Ah, that is a really good question. You probably haven't heard about the Battle of Shush X. Well, the quiet people wanted to shut us down. Shut us up, even. They approached, chests puffed, with the strength of... (laughs) We didn't nearly have as many men to fight back. Turns out... We didn't need any more than a handful, 12 to be exact, 12 brave men, nay, warriors, to send them packing. Barely had to lift a finger. They probably knew they stood little chance. Ah, <sighs> free speech is so important. We will fight for it, die for it, if we had to. Admittedly, we didn't have to, but, uh, you know, we,
0: we would have. So we did a little digging, and what Jonathaniel just indulged in were what you'd call alternative facts. While it's true that back in the early years of the QP's rule, they tried to shut this place down, or at least make sound punishable by the law here, but you see, in the rest of the world, they tried to quell sound as a means of controlling the exchange of ideas between people. Complete control on information. But when they made it down here, they quickly realized that there wasn't much intellectual activity to intercept. Lots of stand-up comedy, slam poetry, Hemingway retrospectives, (laughs) Jim Grunts, and nothing that the QP needed to bother itself with. So, they were left alone to survive as a free colony. The QP knew that without women to procreate with, they just eventually all die off, and with any luck, they will. So, let me ask you this. What keeps you what keeps you going? I mean, how do you spend your days here in this barren wasteland? Wait,
1: what I I haven't told you about the locker room?
0: Oh, uh, he didn't just tell us about the locker room. He took us there.
1: Alright, guys, welcome to another epic night at the locker room. Can get a hell yeah?
0: The locker room was smaller than everyone pretended it was. It could house about mm, like fifty people comfortably. But why be comfortable when you can have another man's armpit in your face? The locker room was a local bar. It was the local bar. A rickety spiral staircase opened into an old-timey saloon with a stage at one end and a bar at the other. Inside, the stage was built unusually high, overlooking a sea of people and I swear to God, it could not have been more than 50 people, surely. You have got to let this go, Barry. Fine. The host towered above us while he performed his hostly duties. He seemed, and I'm given to understand that this is a word he used often, he was
1: stoked. Yo! That was great! I'm so stoked right now! I'm so stoked! So many of you have shown up again. The dance is full again! But no really, how great was last night though! Um, John?
0: Jonathaniel? What happened yesterday?
1: Um, open mic night, duh.
0: But that's tonight. I saw it written on the board outside and walking
1: in. Uh, yeah, dummy. Every night is open mic night here. In the spirit of the way this colony was built, we like to celebrate free speech every single night. An exchange of thoughts, you see. And That up there is our host and the opening act, Microphone Michael. Can I get a yeah? So, mic
0: mic opens every open mic night? Nice.
1: Yeah, it was pretty great, pretty great. But tonight is gonna be even better, man. We've got a great lineup for you. We've got poetry, musical boxing, enchanted diary reading, a recipe for disaster passed out by this guy's great, great grandmother. May rest in peace. And of course, some no-holds-barred stand-up comedy, man. Woo-hoo! But we also have... Some very special guests,
0: man. The spotlight and every man's gaze fell on Cherry and me. These faces that looked so foreign to us just a few hours ago now had expressions that bore a resemblance to something we couldn't quite put our fingers on. It wasn't anger or fear or excitement or warmth. Just a familiar gaze. So we ignored it, because the rest of the night, far more unusual. The performances began. This guy walked up to the stage and read out his grocery list.
1: Veggie chips, bread, clotted cream, eggs, I can't believe it's not raisin.
0: Then came the next guy with, and this is amazing, a song he composed entirely out of comments he'd left on YouTube videos during the course of his entire life.
1: Actually, I think you meant fixed it for you. Hey, anyone else here from Reddit?
0: Then came the onslaught of drinks. First, a martini appeared at our table. The man delivering it turned to Barry and said,
1: So, how's it going?
0: But he was interrupted by another man with another martini in his hand. He slid it across the table, sat down and said,
1: So, how's it going?
0: This went on till our table could hold no more drinks and no more men. And while the men brought me drinks and inquired about my general well-being, they brought cherry... weird things. Um, One of them asked me what I'd made for dinner that night. And how come I didn't make his favorite meal? One of them brought me a picture he'd drawn and then asked me if I liked it. One of them asked me where his underwear was and I was like, I thought he'd be wearing it, right, so I just pointed to his crutch, and he said thanks and then kissed me on the forehead and left. I turned to Barry and I said, I think they think I'm their mom. Well, you do have a... Don't say it. A familiar face. (laughs) Sorry. We'd become the center of gravity in the room. A sea of eyes followed our every movement. We were now the object of vague desire and loose Freudian theory. No one listened to the one lone man on the stage reading his poetry out loud.
1: Nice one, dear. This is proof of QAnon. Opie's mother is. And
0: after that, we took a break. Jonathaniel offered to show us around. What do you mean, show us around? What else is there to see? Jonathaniel smiled his knowing smile and pointed us towards this, like, tiny door in the corner.
1: You see that big door?
0: And he walked us through a small door. He coughed and said,
1: (coughs) Um, um, During winters, the frame shrinks its size, whatever.
0: The atmosphere changed immediately. The locker room had been cozy. It was dimly lit, carved out of stone, had sticky floors, but it was the kind of place you went to whenever you felt like it. What we were looking at right now, though, was vastly different. For one, it was actually vast, like it was huge, man. It was a massive corridor with no ceiling in sight. Wait, how far underground are we? Tell me about it. Haven't you heard the saying, the bar for men is very low? Yeah. So yeah, this is where it comes from. But No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is well, where it comes from. That com- makes yeah. sense, I mean. Anyway. It had cream-coloured, shiny sanitised walls, doors on either side leading to what we assumed would be more rooms in similarly pristine condition. But... We were wrong.
1: Welcome to the Museum of Unknown Stains and Inexplicable Smells.
0: (sighs) We stepped into one of the rooms and that's when it hit us. We were unprepared. We had not adjusted our expectations at all. The stains were indescribable. So naturally Jonathan tried to describe them.
1: Hmm, this one's a blue. This one came from space, we think. This one wasn't easy to procure, but with a bit of elbow grease. Literally. We got it.
0: And while we were speechless and wholly unimpressed by this, he took our silence to mean we were, as he was, mesmerized.
1: Hmm, yes, yes. Pretty spectacular, aren't they? Each one so distinct, so complex. Origins... Unknown. One could even ask, where does anything come from? It's fascinating, actually.
0: One didn't dare ask. He had similar observations about the room of inexplicable smells. Oh,
1: goodness, that that really carries, doesn't it? And still, it's been a hundred years at least. Remarkable.
0: He walked us in and out of many more rooms and reacted to many more exhibits. A mound of trash with a chair underneath it. A mint condition, first edition of Infinite Chest. A fort made out of lumpy pillows. A solitary bed frame, although Jonathaniel could not pronounce bed frame.
1: (laughs) Bed from May? Who ever heard of such a thing?
0: And then we came across yet another room.
1: Oh, uh, we can't go in there.
0: Well, you can't. We can't? Why not? You can I mean, it looks like...
1: It's private. And personal. But most of all, it's sacred. It's a museum. Right. But our visitors are all men.
0: Surely not all men.
1: No, we have some tall men. Anyway, your presence here is unprecedented. But okay, you know what? I'm sure no one would mind if I was to escort you.
0: We had thought the museum corridor had no end, but it did. It converged in this very room. The biggest of all. The quietest of all. A few men stood around holding wet towels? We didn't know what for. One by one, they laid them in a pile of concentric circles around a centerpiece we couldn't yet see.
1: Here, let's go closer.
0: We did. It looked like a shrine. The concentric circles were offerings. An assortment of wet towels, dirty socks and a truly outrageous amount of sports memorabilia. It was an homage to their deity. This centerpiece, at last... A really small phallic structure. Oh wait, is that the Bum Blaster 320? (gasps) Gasp! No really, does it still work? Have you tried switching it on? And Cherry just picked up the vibrator like she was King Arthur or something and... (gasps) What the? The room went still even stiller than it was before with the lone hum of the bum blaster 320 filling the air like the smells had before. This was followed by the sound of a dozen knees falling to the floor. They watched in awe. Jaws dropped. Eyes glazed over. And just like that, I'd become like a god to them. We lasted two more days in the colony of the last men. The situation had deteriorated quickly. Hordes of men kept sliding into our living quarters, if you can call them that, and leaving their offerings at the entrance. Letters riddled with devotional musings, sapphic poetry, you know, I have sisters, I love women, offered one unprompted. Perry, on the other hand, had been buried under a pile of fan mail. Well not just fan me, and proposals, love letters, hate letters, letters cut out and pasted into incoherent paragraphs like a ransom note, <laughs> it was a little freaky. One man even sent a letter opener which was equal parts thoughtful and threatening. It got scary, it got weird. So we gathered Don Goblins and Baby Void and we left.
1: Wait, what, where are you guys going? I, I thought we had plans.
0: Don's been giving us the silent treatment since we got to the colony, by the way. Ever since he suggested asking for directions on the way there, he's been a bit touchy. We're sorry, Don. We'll, we'll never do that again. Never, promise. But this wasn't a totally pointless trip, was it, Cherry? Oh, definitely not. I stole a jar from my collection. It's a collector's edition sincere apology from a man. We'd heard the legend growing up, listeners, but we'd never heard the real thing going back generations. I couldn't not take it. It's its not as if they have any use for it, right? Do you want to listen to it? Or are you going to be like, oh, we're going to open no, a yeah, jar? No, yeah, of course. Let's do it. Let's oh, really? listen to it. This is like the first time you're letting me open a jar.
1: I am sorry that I did the thing you said I did. And I regret that it made you feel the way you said it made you feel. I realize how wrong I was to do it. You deserve better. I hate myself for putting you through that, do you see? I can't help myself. I guess I'm broken. I ask for forgiveness, although I don't expect it or demand it. You do not tell me forgiveness.
0: Hey, that's not too bad. That's kind of but I think
1: you might have overreacted too. Have Berry Blast and Cherry Bomb truly rid themselves of the last men? What weird and wonderful situation will our hosts find themselves in next? And will they forge their way towards the heroic raptor? Find out on the next episode of Apocalyptic, the podcast at the end of the world.
0: Hey, if you're out there, don't let it get quiet. Is anybody listening?
1: Apocalyptic is created and performed by Nishavasudevan as Barry Blast and Namakumar as Cherry Bomb. Episode written by Nandani Godara and Namakumar. Special thanks to Tejas Menon for bringing alive the character of Jonathan Hill. Man reading grocery list and outro by Zain Kalkatawala. Episode artwork by Namakumar. Edit and sound design by Nishavasudevan. Audio mixed and mastered by Zane Kalkatawala. And music and
0: SFX by Envato Elements. Find us on Instagram at apocalyptic.podcast.